0: Hello and welcome back to Journey Through Limbo. This is episode five. Um, with I am Justy. Uh, with me, I have my co-host, Brian. Brian, how are you doing today, bud? I
1: had a migraine yesterday and I'm drinking a vodka Red Bull today, so let's fucking go.
0: <laughs> there we go. Ready to rock. So this week we have a very special guest with us. Um, we're very excited to have this guest on. Uh, it's House Party Protocol Will. Will, how are you today?
2: You know, I'm doing wonderful. I feel like that there's a lot of pomp and circumstance with that intro and now I've gotta live up to it and I just don't know if I'm ready for it. Oh, I think you're ready for it.
1: We don't even <laughs> have theme we don't even have theme music. Like what? what don't don't don't, <laughs> don't put the bar too high.
2: Wait, 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 wait. I got your theme music. It's like do <Discoveruß assaulted feelings> do There you go. Theme music <inaudible> done. Right. You're welcome. Done done
1: uh, yeah cut, cut it and roll it yeah there cool. it is that's it yeah we don't <laughs> have to pay George now
0: yeah right the uh George is off the hook <laughs> <laughs> anyway so um yeah will we want to give you an opportunity here to, to introduce yourself a bit um just in case we happen to I can't imagine that we have any listeners that um, are not familiar with you but just in case um give give you a chance to introduce yourself talk about your podcast talk about your background in gaming and things like that have at it bud
2: well, my name is will. I host a podcast called House Party Protocol. Uh, it's a good time. It's kind of oscillates between like the casual competitive thing and then like my journey of trying to be more competitive. That's kind of the more recent thing, but I know you guys have been listeners for a while and it's I try to keep it like it could be someone's first episode. Right? It could be their first time tuning in to my podcast, to a Crisis Protocol podcast. So I try to keep things in that vein most of the time. And, you know, sometimes I hit that mark a little better than others, but it's kind of, you know, casual, competitive, try to be as as explanatory. Is that a word? Yeah, that's a word. As possible for any rules, interactions, or new things like that. And, you know, kind of our our main focus over there is to do like character breakdowns and stuff like that. Like anytime we get a new set of characters that come out, I'll I'll go through the card, talk about what I might find as something a little spicy in there. You know, maybe hey, check about this interaction. Maybe how's that rules thing gonna work? And uh, you know that kind of stuff. And then I kind of do like some side things every now and again where. Uh, currently, I'm I've been playing in the season seven of the Tabletop Simulator League for those of you that are familiar with that, and I made it to the cuts, which is like mind blowing. I, I believe me, it's it's blowing my mind right now. And uh, so, for the entirety of that season, I've my friend Marzane and I have been going through each matchup, breaking down what the previous matchup was, breaking down what we can expect in an upcoming matchup, stuff like that, and trying to kind of Turn that little competitive cog, uh, if you will, uh, for me a little bit. You know, it's 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 very self centered in in terms of the TTS special reports, but it, it's a good time. And I, I do think, and again, you guys can speak to this probably better than I can, but I do think there's good information contained in those and then in, in house party protocol in general. And uh, you know, it's just a good time. And then, in terms of my own personal gaming history, you know. Miniatures games was something that I kind of dabbled in as a kid. You know, I, I think at some point we all had like some Warhammer models. Absolutely. You know. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Like I, I had a, a a whole stack of corn berserkers at one point, because I would thought they were cool, and apparently they're awesome now. But it, yeah, I, I'm not playing 40k anymore. Not because I don't like it, not because it's not a great game or anything like that. But it's just it's just too much. You know what no, I mean? No, no, no.
1: You can say it's a bad game. It's okay.
2: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, you know, somebody out there might still like it, and it's fine. You know, it's each yeah. their own. But, Everyone's uh,
1: allowed to be wrong.
2: <laughs> this is true. This is true. But uh, you know, so I, I, I had Warhammer back in the day and, and then I, I really kind of got into Guild Ball back Ooh. in I wanna say twenty sixteen and like I was in on Guild Ball. Like I was loving that game. Fish player, I don't know if that's anything that anybody uh, knows anything about. Disgusting. (laughs) I I I, I like my fish too, Will. Yeah, I mean, you're in good company. Okay, there you go. See, all right, we're good. I like it. Yeah. Well, I keep
1: my Mort's coffee mug on my desk at all times, and fish can stay in the ocean for all I care.
2: (laughs) Yeah. uh, One of my my good buddies played Mortz, and I was just like, how am I going to deal with scalpel today? Like, Uh can you just please not? Uh, No, no. Every day is scalpel day. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. (laughs) Hey, just wait till we start talking about my list. You'll hear about how every day is scalpel day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is true.
2: That is Yeah. So, you know, I I just, I I played gill ball a lot. And then, You know, if you're if you know what happened with Guild Ball, long story short, it died, and uh, you know the community's doing a real good job of trying to keep it together. But I just haven't really played it, and I've always, always, always been like a stupid Marvel head. Like I just, I love comics in general, but Marvel comics. I mean, I'm sure we're all close to the same age. I'm just going to assume this that we all watched the cartoons back in the day. You know, maybe. Somebody listening was like an X Men Evolution person, whereas I was like the X Men cartoon yeah. person. I, I ended up watching them both. Yeah, it, I it, think Brian it, and it, I are just, caught in
0: the yeah, we're caught in the cross just perfectly.
2: Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with X Men Evolution. Don't get me wrong; like it was a perfectly great show. Oh, but yeah. you know, it was just just far enough beyond me that I was like, I caught it every once in a while, but not as religiously. Like, I mean, it was mom, you better not let me sleep. Past, you know, this time to catch Beetleborgs, X-Men, mm-hmm. and Spider-Man. Mm-hmm.
1: I will also say X-Men Evolution didn't have as iconic of a theme song. Like, you could you could hum those – everybody knows immediately mm-hmm. what show you're talking about.
2: Exactly. And fun fact, Steve Perry did the guitar riff that was for the Spider-Man intro – Mm, you know, yeah. Huh. yeah, that was Steve Perry from Aerosmith. That's wild. I never realized that. That's awesome. Yeah, fun fun fact. You're welcome. You're gonna win trivia now.
0: Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'll get that <laughs>
1: one.
2: Yeah, but uh, anyway, so you know, I, when Marvel Crisis Protocol got announced, it was like kind of right on the heels of everything that went on with Guild Ball, and I was like, sweet. I am. I am super amounts of in because I also had at the time. Started kind of dabbling in the Batman miniatures game that Night Models was doing, and uh-huh. Night Models had the license for Marvel before Asmodee did. Yep. And so I was, I saw that they had that game. I was like, "Ooh, cool, Marvel!" And then it was gone and defunct from Night Models, and Batman was there, and then boom, Christ Protocol. And you know, I love this game. I love it, and I've probably rambled on too much now.
0: Oh no, that. Perfect intro and uh, everything you said about your podcast. Absolutely true. Um, your character breakdowns are, are great, very informative. Your podcast does a great job of being like you said, anybody can pick it up at any time uh, and, and listen to any episode. Um, you do a really great job with that. Um, but yeah, no, we're again, we're, we're just very happy to have you on. But, um, without further ado, we're, we're about to get into our list breakdown portion of the, of the cast, but before we do, I think, Brian, you have an ad read for us. Go ahead and take it away.
1: Uh, yes, I do. You might have already heard, but Journey Through Limbo is sponsored by CerebroMCP.com, your all-in-one resource for Marvel Crisis Protocol. Make as many lists as you want, and then never delete them. I mean, why not? No one can stop you. Uh, once again, that's C E R E B R O M C P dot com. Please pay us Brad. Please. I can't feed my family Brad. We're trying our best, Brad. Just anything. Please, Brad.
0: Alright, thank you, Brian. Uh well just just as a heads up, our our buddy Brad is who um does Cerebro M C P. So
2: Man Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I love it. I've literally got it up. On my computer right now, and my lap, uh, my iPad uh-huh. to reference. It's the only one I use. Yeah. He.
0: Cool. Uh, Imagine that. Oh. There we go. There we go. So, all right, Will, I, I believe we're talking about convocation today, right? You got it. All right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and get started with your first character. Who's who's the first character that you you want to add to your roster?
2: Well, the first character I'm adding to my roster. Is none other than Clea. Clea, okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Let's yeah. Let, let's talk about your uh, your list selection. Uh, your reasonings for including
2: Clea. Okay, so Clea is much maligned. Uh, kind of in in at least in the the conversations that I pick up on being a part of the various discords, Facebook, all that stuff. They're like. Eh. When they talk about Clea, w- would you agree? I, I would. Why would you ever? Agree.
1: Why would you ever listen to Facebook about anything?
2: <laughs> I don't listen to Facebook about anything. That's why she's in the list.
1: Ah, yes, of course. It's the classic Colossus
2: problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, so,
1: I, I I played
0: Convocation for a while, and um, people people always question me for including her too. So I get it for sure. Um, people people who don't play a lot of a lot of Convocation wonder why. Uh, why we include her, but but I I'm a, I'm a Clea fan, so
2: yeah. And uh, th- there's a lot to like about Clea, kind of under the surface. And when you first look at her, you think she's a three threat. She's only got ten total health. That two physical defense really stands out. And you think to yourself, well, she's just gonna crumple like uh, a feather in the wind or something. I don't know if that thing uh, if that crumples or not, but that is that's sort of the analogy we're gonna go with today. <laughs> I'm about it, <laughs> but you know. When you start to really look at what she does, right, her Demon Claws of Denok is only range three. It's a static builder. You know, you're only going to get one power for it. It can cause a bleed, which is nice, but that's not why she's here, right? She's in this list because right off the rip, you can roll five dice, generate three power, and now all of a sudden her throw is online and her Vapors of Dormammu, which is her place. You know, it's basically her built in space gem is also online. And
1: it, yeah, it's so funny to me that people are like down on Clea when they look at Red Skull and they're like, Master of the Cube is so busted.
2: Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, it, it's funny to me, like you said, with that, and then like, okay, so let's say, let's say I gain my three power right off the rip here. All right, that's turn one, I've got four power on her, and all of her superpowers cost 3 power. Let's say somebody got a little aggressive and they moved up early, and now I'm within range 4, and my Icy Tendrils of Ictalon, which I'm just going to say, the Convocation has the coolest names for everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, disagree, but proceed. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I, I, I mean, I got to know what you think has, has cooler names.
1: Uh, nothing. They're just dorky. <laughs> like, and, like, it doesn't need to be a uh, a. a, a I don't want to. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here and take a big dump all over your list, but doc, I, I'm I'm well documented on my hate of Doctor Strange, in all forms. Uh, though I will say, Clea, Clea as Doctor as Sorcerer Supreme in this most recent run is super cool. I I really enjoy her as Sorcerer Supreme, but every time somebody does the Devil Horns and goes by the Vashanti, I want to cringe until my face caves in on itself.
0: <laughs> Brian's a hater. That, if you haven't figured it out yet, Brian's a hater. I'm for sipping night.
2: on hate. I'm sipping on haterade, man. Hey, it's okay. Look, at least the haterade's gonna like get your energy level up while also, <laughs> you know, get you feeling good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the biggest reason she's here is that I really like her control elements for not only my team but to be able to throw my opponent and. It's important to note here that her throw, the Ashtar's Mighty Hand, I'm going to read every name now, just so <laughs> you know. Uh, the, the Ashtar's Mighty Hand, which is her throw, is range three, which you don't think too much about, but most throws in the game, save for a few, most throws in the game are range two. So it allows her a little bit of protection. She can throw someone, if you think about like your ranges, if you can kind of just visualize... You can be at that edge range three, throw someone short, and they're going to have to, if they have a range four attack, move back in to even get you maybe even range five. I'm not quite sure on that, but I really love that, and with the way I kind of play, it's – I use her early ed to position my team or to position someone key on my team with her Vapors of Dormammu, which is her range three place uh, – friendly characters within range three can place within two of their current position. So I use that kind of early. And then as the game goes on, I use her throw and I really like her spender attack, the icy tendrils of Ictolon, because it's only six dice and it's got a lot of conditiony stuff. But if you just get that stun off, it can really mess with people for sure. So, and then lastly, she's a low value target. You know what I mean? Like most people are like, oh, you know, if if I have a chance to go after Clea, that's fine. But oh, look, there's a voodoo or a strange standing there. Why don't I hit them instead? Right. And so,
0: and if they and if they do attack her, then you usually don't mind as much. So,
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't mind as much. And then you know, if they don't attack her, and let's say that they they end up on an activation, uh, KOing or uh, dazing strange. Right. Well, Clea's able to generate three power so if she's only sitting on one or two power well a field dressing is still on the table for her
0: mm. right yeah that's
2: huge Boy. yeah and so, on top of all I, of
0: that she's immune to incinerate so
2: exactly so on demons you're like okay just hang out in the backlee it's cool yeah that's where she wants to be anyway exactly this guy gets it
1: yeah
2: yeah don't don't listen to that
0: brian guy he's just a hater <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, so that's 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 Cleo. What what's your second choice, Will?
2: Okay, so number two is probably arguably the most critical character to the whole thing. I mean he he makes everything work and he has been number one hero extraordinaire for me on more occasions than I can count. And of course I'm talking about none other than Wong.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I knew it. I knew it. We were leading up. We were leading up. I knew it. That's my boy. That's my boy right there.
2: Look, Wong has – look, I cannot even describe to you how good Wong has been for me lately. It's been insane. And the book's kind of been written on Wong, right? He's He's a walking R&D. Which is, which is great, right? Advanced R&D, yeah. great card, even after the change, still great. But what Wong really excels at, in our, especially the kind of current structure of the competitive MCP environment, is being an absorber of damage for a sacrifice play, and also his healing has been just beyond critical for me. in in this recent season. And being able to say, oh, Strange has two damage on him out of his total of six, that's in the danger zone. You know, any damage on Strange, any damage on on Voodoo, that's the danger zone for those characters. So Wong being able to go up there and say, okay, let me just take those two damage off. Or, like in my recent match, uh, Luke Cage decided to give Strange a sweet Christmas.
1: Oh, a sweet Christmas.
2: Yeah, he, he was staggered, it was terrible, or I don't even know if it was a sweet Christmas that does the stagger. Whatever Cage does that staggers you, it, uh... It's probably
1: sweet Christmas. I don't remember.
2: I don't remember, and I'm gonna have to look it up now. But either way, I got staggered. It was terrible. And here comes Wong looking like a champ. I was about to get tilted. You know, I was was on the cusp of, like, that, like, this game's over. I even said that, but I didn't actually (laughs) believe it, I guess, in my heart. (laughs) And, uh, just it, I was like, "Oh, this is terrible." Wong hadn't activated yet, so what does he do? He runs up there and he goes, "I got you, boo," and he uses the Vishanti's blessing onto Strange and removes that stagger condition. It was perfect.
0: I uh, so it, it's the Power Man punch, the staggers, for the record. That's it. Um, but yeah, the double wild, exactly. Yeah, it it was hard to get, and I I was watching your match when that happened, and the um. Of course, like the whole roller coaster, it was like watching a sporting event, right? Um, you see, you see that happen. Activate Luke Cage. You get the double wild, and it's like, oh no, the stagger on Strange. What's happening? Right as Will just like got back into this game, and then you say, "I'm act- activating Wong," and I and I saw it. I, I go, "There it is. That's the that's that's the out." It was awesome. It was it was exciting. Um, yeah, no, that, that I'm was glad. Super much. Like.
2: I loved it, yeah. Like it was, it was such a crazy play because I mean, like you said, like I'm sitting there, I'm like, this game is over, I just lost. Oh my god, how can I recover? And then I was like, Whew, take a deep breath. And, and this is another reason why that game took five hours. Look, most M C P games don't take that long. People, that was uh, it was a lot of witty banter between uh, Dan and I in that game. So that's that's what the reason why, more than anything. But uh, but uh, Wong has been just insanely clutch, you know, he he went toe to toe with a ghost rider this season and and said keep coming at me, bro. You know, it's it's funny just how important he has been for me and it's one of those things where he's a 2 threat and he's a 2 threat that does not attack. I mean, right. Very rarely does he ever want to do any attacks at all. So most people aren't afraid of him, and the only reason why they ever mess with him is because they know he can go and heal my team, or he can go give my team power. But generally speaking, people ignore the heck out of him. So he's just he's just been utterly clutch for me. Yeah, he's just so. another character that
0: sweeps under the radar there. So
2: right, and not only that, the list building possibilities that come with having an affiliated two threat it it really makes a big difference. Absolutely, just oh, yeah. X Men.
1: Always You're, love an affiliated 2. Here on
0: Journey mm-hmm. Through Limbo, we we highly endorse the affiliated 2.
2: Yeah. So, Wong is uh Wong, Wong's great. He's just he's just great.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, that's that's Wong. So what what about uh your next your next choice there?
2: Okay. So I think I've buried the lead long enough, and we have to talk about the guy that I like to designate as my leader. Most often, and that's Baron Mordo. Cool. Yeah. So Baron Mordo is an enigma, I will say. And uh, Jason, you said you've played Convocation. Would you
0: agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that.
2: So everyone sees Baron Mordo and they see Soul Barb. It's kind of like like Ferocity of Sidrak and Soul Barb are kind of like the two things that stand out so much on his card. Soul Barb, I have found, is a trap a lot of times, and it just depends on the matchup. It depends on what you're going into. A lot of different things can can be it, but the problem I have with Soul Barb is it's – I'll read it to you real quick so, so everybody out there listening can know. Choose an enemy character within range three of this character with one or more of the following conditions, hex incinerate, poison, or slow. Choose One of these special conditions on that character, each enemy character within range two of the chosen character gains the chosen special condition. So on these clumpy scenarios like a research station, like a gamma, even like Demons Downtown, especially Demons Downtown because you can get the incinerate easier that way. But anything where, where you might have people clumping up, it seems really great. Well, here's the problem. Mordo does not have any way other than his big spender attack called the Reigns of Ragador or Another his – uh, it's amazing. <laughs> 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 we're we're going to talk about my favorite thing on him in just a minute. Uh, but the, the Reigns of Ragador, which after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the incinerate and poison conditions. And then he's got a Bolts of Bishru, a lot of alliteration here, oh, yeah. that on a wild can do a hex. So – Out of those conditions, he can only – he can apply a three out of four with his different attacks, but his big spender attack costs you four power. So in order to do the spender and do a soul barb, you have to have six power, okay? So why am I talking about all this? Because soul barb is a really cool idea that just does not work, and if you're playing Mordo and you're thinking I'm going to do a soul barb, there's definitely something better you can do. 85 to 90% of the time. Believe me. Save your power for a Ferocity of Sidorak. Save your power for a Vaulting Boots. Something like that. Because if Soulbarm had something where it could say, you know, this character can apply a condition to a character within range two. And then it's once per turn, right? And then on the next turn, he could spread that condition around or something like that. Like, that would be cool. Yeah. But the fact that it doesn't do that means that this condition already has to be applied in order to be able to spread it, and it makes things difficult in my opinion.
1: Yeah, uh, and the only time I'd, I – just last week we had Lexa White on, and they brought this crazy, amazing Spider-Man list that has soul bar plays in it, but it's specifically built to do soul bar plays. With your leadership, which is sort of like baked in, otherwise, yeah. like in convocation, I don't see when you're ever doing this.
0: Yeah, I, and that's just it. I I definitely use the ferocity of cerac way more often than than Solbarb. Um, I I can count on one hand how many times I've used Solbarb, um, and and I never felt great after using it. Um, like Will said, there's there's always something better you can do.
2: Exactly, and my my biggest like oof moment for Soul Barb happened this season. I sit in there, Mordo's got six power. I'm like, oh crap. My eyes lit up. I was like, this is gonna be the moment. This is gonna be amazing. I'm gonna be able to to Reigns of Ragador onto Black Cat and and then I'm gonna pass the incinerate around to other people. I'll tell you those other people in a second, because it's funny. And uh anyway, it's gonna be amazing, right? This is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be so cool. So I do the attack. Uh she gets incinerated And then I'm like, okay, cool. Now Vision's going to get incinerated and Voodoo's going to get incinerated. And I'm like, and the reason why I was so excited about it was (laughs) because I was trying to attack Voodoo there because he had the Cree Core at the time. So I was trying to take it off of him. It's like, yeah, I'm going to take his defenses down. It's going to be awesome. And then, you know, as someone who plays Voodoo, every match, literally forgot. Oh, to... oh no no no. <laughs> exactly. Matumbo over here's like, "Oh no 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 no." <laughs> yes. I I was there was a big oof for me. I was like, "Ah oh, crap." <laughs> you know, I was so excited about it because it's like i never get to do Soul Bar. This is going to be so awesome. <laughs> I mean, at least somebody got incinerated from it, but it just could have been way cooler.
1: I but I, was actually, I was kind of expecting Black Cat to have gotten dazed off that attack so that you can't target her
2: anymore. You would think. You would think. <laughs> I mean, it just you know the dice they're gonna dice. It's just how it goes. But uh, anyways, to continue talking about Mordo here, so so I spent a lot of time on Soul Bar, but let's let's look at another thing that Mordo does that I think it makes him unique in general, and it is his Master of the Occult ability. So it costs you an action, but he just straight gains two power. So you've got Clea who gains power. You've got Wong. who who gains power, and now we've got Mordo, who can just straight gain power. Your power economy is already through the roof, I feel like. This is kind of the way I think about when I play, is like, I'm not going to struggle for power most of the time, even though I always could use more, you know, it is what it is. So I love that ability, and one of my kind of staple plays when I have Mordo in my squad is to move him up kind of mid-ish, you know, kind of if there's a close objective, get him close to that, get him to where he can be within range three of whoever I need him to. So I'm going to do one move action, and then we're going to master the cult, gain two power. And the reason why I do that is because now I have a Ferocity of Cinerac on tap, which is when another allied character within range three of this character targets an enemy character with an attack, this character can use the superpower. Adds two dice to the attack roll. After it's resolved, the attacking character suffers one damage. It can only be used once per turn. So you can't stack it over and over again, which I would definitely do, even at the cost of damage. But it is what it is. But it's really cool because being able to add those two dice, I mean that's Death's Decree from Thanos. And yeah. we've all seen how powerful that can be. Oh yeah, for sure. So... I I absolutely love it, and it's not hard for him to be within three of everybody on his 50-millimeter base. And it's one of those things where I'll let my opponent come forward most of the time. Like, okay, here's Mordo. He's up here now. You're going to come forward a little bit? Great. Please do, because now here comes Strange, and he's going to do a – what normally is five dice becomes seven dice builder attack – and gain power, and it has a wild pierce, okay, fine, he takes a damage. But a lot of people aren't standing up to that, and with his rerolls and everything, it's pretty spicy. Oh, yeah, totally. And then...
0: Go ahead. Oh, no, I I was just going to say, most recently I've I've been enjoying using um, Cassandra Nova in my convocation. And what's fun about that is uh, you don't even get the have to really worry about the damage, right? You take the damage, and then you heal it back off. Um,
2: Brian, oh, yeah. Brian that was going to...
0: So.
2: Oh, you like that one, Brian?
1: Yeah. Uh, I like it a lot more than I do dealing with X-Force.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a story. That's very me. fair. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's actually why another character is uh, making this list currently is because of a healing factor situation, which we'll talk about very soon. Oh, I can't wait. Lastly, so I don't have this play in my list, but I think that Baron Mordo is really interesting from an objective perspective. So he has the vaulting boots of Valtor, and after this character is pushed, it could use a superpower, and then it advances short, and he has flight, so he can advance anywhere at any time after being pushed. So Jean Grey has an ability that can push characters that have an activated token. So what's fun about that is you can move Mordo, gain your power, do whatever you want to do with him. Jean Grey can come up, push him, and then he can advance again to get to an objective that your opponent thought was safe. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I, Jean I Grey's not in this list. That. But yeah, like that is a sneaky little thing I think is really cool. And um, I did not come up with that. Octo Taco did that one, so shout out to him. And uh, but it's re- I think it's really cool. And then I, I just really like that particular ability. That's probably my favorite ability for him because a lot of people have different kinds of pushes and different kind of things in this game. And like when I run into Web Warriors, Baron Mordo's really nice with his vaulting boots of Valtor because he can. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna pull me off of a point. Awesome. I'm right back on there. Or you're going to pull me into Venom. Awesome. I'm gone. You know what I mean? Like I, I really like that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Plus your abundance of mystic attacks, but that's not exclusive to Mordo by any, main, by any measure.
2: Exactly. But Mordo is a really interesting character because I make him my leader most of the time because I can have him play at that further range because he's got two range four attacks and then all of his ferocity of Sidorak stuff is range three, so I can have him play off and be relatively safe while buffing people that really want to be doing the damage, like Strange specifically, and then Voodoo and Magic, as we'll talk about Hulk, even as we'll talk about. Spoiler alerts, sorry, <laughs> but yeah, so that's Mordo for me. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's let's move on to our next character. Alright, so next up, since I just talked about Mordo, I'm going to go ahead and talk about his best friend, and that's Lizard. Oh, And Liz- Lizard is his best friend because he has the healing factor of one. So let me ask you guys, what's Lizard's biggest problem? Gen. Power generation, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So his tail whip attack is a four dice with a wild push attack and it's power equal to damage dealt. I don't know about you guys. Four dice attacks, I have terrible luck with them. Oh,
1: dude. Four dice with a wild trigger, good luck.
2: <laughs> exactly. Don't ever bet on it. However, six dice with a wild trigger, you're looking at about sixty percent of the time you're gonna hit that. For sure. Yeah. So I don't I don't usually play by the math. Like I just assume I'm gonna hit it and then I'll just adjust if I don't. But uh, when it's on six dice, which most of the time I don't just because it's the way luck works, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But uh Lizard getting a Ferocity of Sidorak with his range three attack from Mordo is very spicy because then he heals that damage up and he's there to tank damage for the rest of my team. And he's on a 50-millimeter base, and he only costs three threat, and he has a throw. So, like... What more could I want? Yeah, there's nothing nothing to hate there. Yeah, and it's been floated of this, like, run across the board, grab your opponent's extract, and, and like, work your way back with the leadership ability. To, it's a reason to have Lizard in a convocation list. I don't play that particularly, not, not because I, I can't. Uh, it's just I, I feel like it's a little bit too risky for me. Like, I'd rather uh, kind of bank on my activation economy versus, like, my opponent figuring out what's happening and being able to deal with it. Yeah. So, but Lizard's really good for that.
1: Especially if you're going to traipse down the board like that, you're just kind of asking for trouble. Even no matter how tough a single character may be, you know, a dog pile is a dog pile.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean that—that's literally the reason why lizards here, though, is to—to be able to tank a little damage, to—to be another sacrifice candidate for my "quote unquote" more important models. You know, like, like God forbid, Strange goes down. Like that is the worst thing that can happen. (laughs) And and I hope that my opponent this week isn't listening to this, but I also kind (laughs) of hope he is, so that you guys get the clicks. You know, but. uh, You know what I mean? I think I think yeah, you're likely yeah. safe with
0: our cast. I think it's your cast you have to worry about. So.
2: Yeah, well, and I told him all my secrets too, so it's gonna be awesome.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it's awesome. It's gonna be awesome.
1: Well, that means you <laughs> – that's the beginning of the mind games. I mean, hell, you're probably not even gonna be playing this list tomorrow.
2: Yes, clearly, <laughs> yeah. clearly. You know, I had to submit it and everything, but I'm just gonna throw caution away and be like, "Screw you guys! <laughs> I'm doing what I want." Yeah, <laughs> <Jedi mind laughs> I'm trick. That's right. The
1: power but of the, the lizards, power just, of the galaxy brain. Just
2: that's it. He's, you know, I, I like this character. I don't ever use his spender very often, but I really like his control elements. It's you know, it's the tankiness and the control elements that I really like. But listen, kids out there in the ether, he will go down. He is not immortal. Like just because he reduces damage by one and has a four physical defense and six health, he 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 can crumple to the right kind of stuff. So just be careful. All
1: right. So yeah, that's... and and I. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you. go
0: ahead, buddy. Have at
1: it. Yeah, uh, Lizard's a character that I played a ton right when he came out because I was like, I was playing a lot of Criminal Syndicate at the time, and I'm like, oh, Lizard, slot that right in. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. A big tough meat boy. Here we go. Let's let's get at it. Uh, but no, he he is he is tough, but. It's very easy to overestimate that toughness and yep. and that sort of that just sort of takes play experience um, It's kind of a shame about not using the spender that much because every time you use the spender you could go cold-blooded
2: <laughs> you know what I'm gonna have to try to fit that in this week and I can't wait I hope yeah. I hope if you're out there watching the stream that you you cold-blooded. Yeah, it's it's, gonna, it's
1: important. It's it's really important. It's yeah. just like when you're. It's like when your cat stretches. You have to say big stretch.
2: Mm, oh, absolutely. Or or big yawn.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yep, yep. Those those things just yep. I get it. No, it's it, it's a fact of life. It's written in stone somewhere. I'm pretty sure that's the eleventh commandment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will say one other thing that I got to mention about lizard, and this kind of speaks to kind of, uh, you, Brian, you mentioned. Experience and yes, it's one of those things that in a game like MCP it accounts for a lot and not only being experienced into what you're going to see out there, but experience with your squad, with your team, with your characters, and understanding their limitations and also what they can excel at. And one of the things that I found with Lizard is that I have plenty of characters that want to activate late it doesn't really matter if I activate lizard early most of the time in kind of like that early round one, round two kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's why I really like him here too, is, is I can like waste an activation, so to speak, especially early game, waste an activation with him and be like, okay, lizard's going to go over here. He's going to stand on this point. Awesome.
1: And that's especially a great point. Cause especially when you look at, you know, the big beefy guys on big bases. Uh, you know, a lo- I think a lot of people will make the mistake of comparing a character like Lizard to Omega Red and playing them exactly the same when they're not. Whereas Lizard can go early, Omega Red always wants to go like second or last activation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Their their play so different, but you're exactly right. It's it's easy to see how similar characters look at first glance. Six stamina, damage reduction, big base, etc. But they play so different on the tabletop. Yeah, I love it.
0: That That is what makes this game so great. Indeed. Right. So, that's, that's character number four. Who's character number five, Will?
2: Okay, so for number five, we have... The one and only Dr. Voodoo. And, look... Some people will say this character's broken, busted, you know, above the curve, whatever adjective word for for stronger than should be you want to throw in here. And I do think that he is strong, but I do think he also has his limitations. So maybe that's a whole thing for another time. But Dr. Voodoo's here because one he's affiliated convocation He's a four threat, and he does a lot of good things, and he plays the game that Convocation wants to play really well, and that is playing points and then cranking up that damage when need be with a sprinkling of control. And I say sprinkling because I don't consider possession a form of control even though it probably is, but that's just me. So yeah, voodoo is awesome. In a lot of ways, and I think that he is um, – he's kind of the boogeyman of MCP right now. Would you all agree? Oh,
1: I have said that exact phrase multiple times.
2: <laughs> there you go. So uh,
1: – Yeah. It's very its very hard to resist. As soon as anyone mentions Dr. Booty to go, ooh. ooh, ooh.
2: <laughs> exactly. And Brian, why do you consider him to be the boogeyman of MCP right now? Because uh, people on
1: Facebook won't stop complaining. I love Doctor Voodoo. Uh, Jericho Drum is my sorcerer supreme, if we're being accurate. Uh, but everybody gets tilted when they see a Brother Daniel token on their on their card, and they go, "What do you mean I have to drop all my stuff? What do you mean I don't contest this point?" Right. And I go, and I go, listen, I have two physical defense. Why don't you just come after me?
2: Exactly. Like, if, if you don't
1: like it, deal with it.
2: You know. You are a wise and sage-like individual, Brian.
1: I, I consider myself similar to Jericho Drum in that respect.
2: <laughs> nice, yeah. So, so that's the thing with 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 Doctor Voodoo. He is not a set it and forget it missile. He is a laser-guided device that, when applied appropriately, can be devastating. You know. Yeah. And. You know, him being able to Spirit Venom, which is his builder attack. I told you I'm reading every name just because it's cool. Uh, spirit Venom into people, range three, with a boost from Ferocity of Sidrak, that's going to get him all the power he needs to do all the fun stuff, like a little possession, right? Oh, you, you moved up to the midboard. And here's another thing about Dr. Voodoo he can, with one single move on that big base, pretty much be in range of anything he wants. Depending on placement, right? So, like if I place him kind of, let's imagine there's a C shape, so going kind of perpendicular to the deployment area, right? I guess you would say, no, not perpendicular, that'd be parallel. Yes, yes, parallel to, to yes. deployment. So, I like to say it across Main Street as opposed to down Main Street, you know. So, mm. imagine the C shape, right? If you deploy Dr. Voodoo kind of between each of the one side or the other side he can in one single move move up and then be able to kind of tickle anybody on any side with that range three attack it's you got to kind of watch your placement but you can pretty much do it so that's a, a move and attack turn one which i really like the ability for that and his attack's not so potent to where you're gonna take out most people, but you're generally gonna gain some power. And then if they were able to grab an objective, let's say a Cree core or a scroll, a hammer even, you know, you can move right up and and potentially take it off of them with a possession. And people think that, oh, you know, possessions it's it's bad because there's no counter for it. And I'm like Look, the counter is now that character that you only had as an objective character gets to start playing the game. Yeah. the way I look at it, right? Like, oh, you had Toad up there who got possessed. His only job was to get that token. Well, now Toad gets to go on the offensive and start spitting acid all over the place, hopping like a madman, maybe scoring objectives in another way. For me it's it's I th- I feel like it's kind of just interesting and fun. And then now Voodoo has a decision to make. And yeah, you can recall spirit every single time you're getting attacked after you've possessed someone. You can do that, but it's not always the best option. And the one area I can say that like if you wanted to change him, you don't make possession an action cuz then that's ridiculous. You don't You know, nerf it. I think you make it once per turn. I think that'd be fair. And then I think the other thing you do is it make you come. You make it come back to him when he's dazed.
1: But yeah, we we've discussed the exact same change as well. It's it makes it's a very light touch. It makes him fall in line with what you sort of expect from design. It it it's just so common sense.
2: Right. That's exactly it. And but the thing is, like even without those changes in his. Normal form here. He still has a lot of things that he has to decide on. And I think that's what makes it interesting is if you possess someone on Voodoo's turn, he can't get that back. So into the wrong matchup, you know, like I'm going up against Black Order this week, right? Let's say I possess someone on my turn and then I end up dazing that character on Voodoo's turn, right? Well – You know, blood despair. I mean, I guess I could use blood despair, recall spirit there because it's when he's targeted, but still, it just seems weird and wonky. So scratch that, reverse it, whatever. But uh, it's it's hard to explain. Like voodoo is this like boogeyman in a sense that if he's on the table because of the conversation around him, and he's good. Like I don't want to say he's not good. He's really good. He is a very good character, but I think he's like. Just ever so slightly above the curve versus like busted, broken, terrible things, because I just I get so much use out of him. But it's because he's that boogeyman. People are like, oh well, I'm gonna focus on voodoo, and it's like, okay, well you're focusing on voodoo. I'm over here doing all this other cool stuff. I'm okay with that. Yeah, because you know you've got other characters that were like
1: above the curve. I think Valkyrie is the best example. You know, pre pre Nerve Valkyrie.
2: I think the yeah I think Enchantress would, like oh yeah if, Enchantress is another good example if you look at Enchantress and Medusa and again I think that they were they were above that curve like they were operating as five threats and a four threats body you know what I mean mm. and it's fair to say that they were broken characters but at the same time I mean they were broken with how they were applied in certain scenarios and they didn't really have a full counterplay situation whereas voodoo i feel like he has counterplay it's just it might not be what you want to do and which i don't see up the... oh sorry no, no, go ahead no go ahead
1: i was going to say bringing up that point uh, there's a great comparison to shuri right there a control piece that people felt was oppressive that forced them into a play pattern they didn't want to play they'd immediately tilt out and uh, sort of you know through community pressure was like oh amg please save us don't make us play better
2: yeah and that's it's it's definitely a part of it and it's one of those things where you know hulk was really sad or modok was really sad getting shuri pushed but at the same time i mean it, it those models other than hulk was still pretty successful you know what I mean? Any any character that moves short, if you saw Shuri across the board, you're like, Okay, well I've gotta gotta figure out what I'm gonna do with Shuri. And well, there's a another four or five threat model on the table, but I have to go after Shuri, it's like because like that's the strategy, like you know what I mean? And and I yeah. like that aspect of it. And when I look at Doctor Voodoo and I, I compare him to those other two characters, Enchantress and Medusa, he's nowhere near the level of holy crapness. That mm-hmm. they were. And him taking a character out of the objective part of the game, it just means that you you have to, to play a different style of game with that character now, and you have to force Voodoo to recall his spirit, force him to recall his spirit, because he has no dice modification. And let me tell you, I have rolled his six-dice mystic defense <laughs> more times than I can count and failed to get a success and there goes a voodoo.
0: Yep, every time that it seems that he gets dazed, it's because, or, or KO'd, it's because I've recalled the spirit and rolled six dice,
2: expecting to live, and nothing happens. Exactly, and and I think that that's kind of where the balance is, and, and again, he, he's strong. He has a throw that can be a size three terrain throw. It's only size two characters, but it can be a size three terrain throw which is really strong. That's that's a strong throw. Costs him three power. Possessing people costs the power equal to what that model's threat is. You know all of his brother Daniel shenanigans. I'm not going to read that wall of text, but it, you know it's it's all this crazy stuff that kind of swirls together, and then you realize, oh wait, he's got staff of Legba too, which I don't know about you guys, has been amazing for me.
1: Oh yes, I uh, I personally call it the staff of Legba.
2: the staff Uh, of ligma
1: (laughs) oh yeah because every time it like if it comes up and i i will hit the power burn and it will just way like it'll blow past the whoever i'm targeting go blow way past their health pool and i go oh that staff of ligma was pretty good
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i love it but yeah and so like I get when you when you put it all together and you you see all this stuff, all this stuff we're talking about is really great. Like we just said, Staff of Ligma, amazing, possession, amazing, spiritual strength amazing, recall spirit helps you out, blah blah blah. Like immunity to hex and incinerate. I mean it's it's all great stuff, but you have to pilot it right. And and Doctor Voodoo is one of those characters that if piloted wrong, he's gone. He just gets vaporized. Oh yeah. So I, I think he's a, a high-level character, and he's here because he plays that objective game so strong, and when I really need that damage ramp, I can do it. That's why he's here.
1: Yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, it's all—it's tangentially related, but hey, Jason, remember when everybody was complaining about Shuri being super busted, and then Hawkeye came out, and the first day that I had him put together, I beamed her right in her face? Yeah, I—, I... I do I do remember that. Oh, that was awesome.
2: <laughs> yep. I mean and, and that's the thing I love about this game as a whole. It it's all in how you look at it, and there's a way to succeed against pretty much anything if you just focus on playing your game.
0: That's that's exactly it. There's always a counterplay. There's always exactly. a long and- there's always a long to answer the power man punch. <laughs>
2: That's it. That's it. You know, Wong can just come in, swoop in like an angel from Tibet and save the day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which which is actually the plot of every single Doctor Strange comic I've ever read.
2: (laughs) I mean, look, Wong's pretty integral.
1: I I would I would argue that he is he's the main character. And uh, Stephen Strange is his uh, is his sidekick who constantly ruins everything.
2: Look, would... strange. Strange makes mistakes, but I know you guys do a comic book recommendation. I'm gonna have one at the end of this, and this one I feel like is a wrong mistake. Okay, just let that simmer. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. Who we got next? We got. I think we got all the most of the big bad convocation uh, staples out of the way at this point.
2: Well, we are missing a couple, uh, just a couple, but uh, I'm still going to continue to bury lead because I think it's fun. <laughs> and I love it. I, I put Toad in this list, and I went back and forth really, really hard with why Toad is here, and it's mainly for the objective play. Him being able to put pressure on my opponent – to have to grab objectives. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've played a myriad of games against Toad, and if you don't get five damage on him right off the rip, he's gone, and you ain't coming back.
1: Mm. So, oh yeah. Uh, his his reactive power being called slippery is is as infuriating as it is
2: accurate. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I hate it so much. But that's literally why he's here is because I uh, – the crisis selections that I have, he can interact from range to be relatively safe and and then vamp if somebody does decide to mess with him. That's it. That's why he's here.
1: Yeah, and let's not talk about the fact that for Toad to be slippery, he would have to you know, cover himself in some sort of lubricant, maybe <laughs> grease.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I would assume just like tongue saliva uh, from his uh, prehensile tongue because that's yeah, the superpower he has. The saliva dries out quite quickly, though. You know, but I don't know about toad saliva. I'm not a scientist, but
0: that's true. I we we don't have the expertise needed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this this is why people tune in right here yeah, to, talk, yeah, to, to hear about toad I, slobber.
0: Right, our, bio, yeah. our biology uh, lessons, that's it.
1: So, yeah, he's, it. he's you got to make sure to tongue lash all over yourself so you can prep for your staff of Ligma. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, that, that's Toad, and uh, I guess moving right along is um, kind of the big boy of the group, and the one that... I have the hardest time deciding when to and when not to add them to my squad and that's Hulk. so Hulk is here. I originally wanted Hulk Buster in this list like he was kind mm-hmm. of uh you know the control element, that little bit of tankiness that he brings. And his mobility, which I think is really kind of one of those things that people underestimate about Hulkbuster, is just how mobile he is with a medium move on that big base with hit and run, means that he's moving and attacking, attacking twice and moving at least once in a turn. So it's really nice. And on C-shape objectives again, or on B-shape objectives, he can kind of get where he wants to go freely. And it's really nice. But. We're not here to talk about Hulkbuster. We're here to talk about Hulk. So Hulk is a question that a lot of people's lists don't have answers for, especially in his updated form. For physical defense on his Hulk not puny banner superpower, yes, it costs him four power. But on physical or energy attacks, he can reroll any – so if he gets successes right away – he can then re-roll any dice, including Skull Results, with that superpower. So it increases that tankiness level of him really nicely. And then who doesn't love a Hulk Smash tuned up to 10 dice if he doesn't have any damage on him? Or let's say you've already done an attack, and he's sitting there with 3 damage on him, or you you're your first attack... You do. You've got three damage on him, and you use Ferocity of Sidorak to get those two extra dice, and you're able to attack again, and now you've got that extra die on there. It's it's really nice, and it really kind of surprises people. I think it's really fun. But he's also weirdly a great control piece in his own right. How do you guys think about that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, he has a, he has a throw with access to size four stuff.
2: Mm-hmm and it's a yeah. medium range yeah. throw
1: there there's you know and like his, his wild trigger on his builder is stagger and throw wild Oh trigger that's on, on the, yeah like, that's on a
0: spender on a spender
1: okay i did that thing where in my head i said the right word but the wrong one came <laughs> out of my mouth
2: i know because this.
1: On, yeah because on the builder there's a push on the spender there's a throw exactly and you have a two-cost throw, which, considering his power generation, is easy-peasy. Uh, you can leap around to wherever you need to be for that throw to be maximized. Uh, he's absolutely a control piece. The throw yeah.
0: plus the stagger on Hulk Smash can be can just be devastating. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you're moving it, a piece away and also putting a stagger on them, they, they may as well be out of the game for a round.
2: Exactly. And specifically when you look at the throw it is before damage is dealt so let's say you are doing a 10 dice hulk smash like i mentioned earlier so it starts at eight let's just say you get it to 10 you're doing a 10 dice hulk smash you're you're looking at some pretty good odds today's most people especially at the you know later in the game right so the stagger not really going to matter so much but that throw especially if you're doing it onto a size three character well, now you're potentially throwing that size three character into someone that could then take damage. Let's say you're also in range to grab that person, and now you're throwing them to finish off their damage or throw something at them additionally. I just – I love it. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm personally imagining Hulk grabbing Dormammu by his leg and, and just whacking – him into somebody else, who then you know bowling pins
2: their way across the board. Exactly. Uh, puny god. Puny god. And let's also not forget his wild throw is size unlimited on that. So if we, you know, it's just it's so great. I love it. And it, Hulk Hulk is just wonderful. And he's he's here. At first, I was like, I'm only going to play him at 18 threat or 20 threat, because I had another idea at 19, and there are some lists where it's like I want more activations versus less activations. However, I really like how Hulk plays playing a little taller, even if I can't get the dazes or the KOs like I want. Like, I've had those games where Hulk's dice have just crapped out on me. It happens. But you know, most of the time I can still recover and play the control game that he brings very well. And, uh, and that's why he's here. And then if I get a, an extract objective on him and the opposing team doesn't have a way to get it off of him without damaging him, which there are a lot of ways to do that in the game right now. You know, you've got Quicksilver with his tactics card, you've got black catch, you've got voodoo, and then there's all this, uh, damage ramping that can happen in this game at times. So like, he's not safe but if i can get an objective on him and like let him survive it's just it's it's pretty wonderful so yeah hulk is here he's awesome
0: yeah yeah that's, <laughs> that's, i i have no uh i have no feedback i've i've listened to all of your um all of your uh episodes about your your TTS league and um I, I really like the inclusion of Hulk. I've, it's made me want to try him in my own Convocation rosters. So
2: Yeah, and I've really tried to kind of build around him. And then when you think about, like, again, Wong with the clutch heals, okay, Hulk's taking 10 damage. Well, here comes Wong. He's going to heal him up. That's 12 damage now that you've got to chew through again. Like, good luck. Yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's... You know?
2: Exactly. So... I think now, without further ado, we're going to have to talk about the man, the myth, the legend that is the supreme version of Doctor Strange. There he is. Because we did talk about a lot of scalpeling earlier.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: And, uh, yeah, Stephen Vincent Strange, Dr. Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, is the master of the scalpel of Strange. And I I, I can't say enough about how much I love this version of Dr. Strange. He is definitely the superior version. Uh, someone out there is going to at me on that, hey, but it's okay. It's okay.
1: We're, we're here to elicit the hot takes.
2: Yes. No. Look, the, the thing about this strange versus the other strange, they play very different games. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this strange, one of the things that it took me some games under my belt to understand is the baleful bolts of Balthac, his builder attack, just all the bees, range three, five dice, wild pierce is the fuel that makes Doctor Strange go. And I love Deadly Daggers of Davoroth, which is his range five, strength six, cost you one power, but it can be any type of attack. When when it does damage, it does the poison special condition. So I love the Deadly Daggers attack. Range five really scares a lot of people. I rarely do it because I want to have Strange loaded up with power as often as possible. And that's why I'm, I'm always shooting for Baleful Bolts. That's why I don't mind taking damage from Mordo to buff my Baleful Bolts because, like I said, I want to KO as much as possible with him. I, I don't like I said that earlier, but like Strange is here to not only be the scalpel of positioning my team, but also to be the scalpel of murder. That works, right? Totally works.
1: Yeah, I think that, that, works. I think that might be in violation of the Hippocratic oath.
2: <laughs> well, he's he, maybe he's not murdering them so much as just like relieving them of life.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly like how Batman doesn't kill people.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, he's. I try to try to try to use that attack the baleful Bulls, more than anything because I want to build that power because I've lived the dream and. Jason, do you know what the dream is? What is the dream? Scalpel of Strange three times in a turn. So that's the dream. Now, Scalpel of Strange costs you four power, and it is choose this character or a character within range two and then place it within range three of its current position. A character can be placed by the superpower only once per turn, so you can only place characters around… Once per turn. But notice it doesn't say allied character or enemy character on that. It's just place a character. I love it. So I've been able to start with four power, place myself into an opportunity opportunistic position, do a bunch of damage, place an opponent away, do a bunch of more damage, place another opponent away. So it's like you start with four, then you go to zero. Then you get four more, then you get four more. Yeah, that's, it's amazing. That's disgusting. It is disgusting. And I've. it's so funny because people that haven't played Sorcerer Supreme, and they run into him, and especially kind of like it, – it is oppressive how I play him. I, I, I will cop to that. Like I play hard control with him. Like if I'm not killing you, you're going – you're getting yeeted, you know? <laughs> so – when when i play people that haven't played him they're like you you can do that more than once oh yeah oh i'm, I'm about to do it again wait <laughs> you can do it what yeah yeah it's, it's gonna happen again too <laughs> you know it, it's really great so I, i've talked enough about his attacks and stuff and and i think his area attack and, and jason let me get your opinion on this what his area attacks is a bit of a trap but when an opportunity presents itself kind of just like the the rarefied perfect opportunity for an area attack, it can be really nice.
0: That That's exactly it. Um, it falls under the same category, I feel, like you said, as most area attacks. Um, usually they don't come up, um, but I did have him on two health at one point and was able to heal him back to full um, during a tournament game, and that was pretty cool. Oh. <laughs> so I... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's situational, but I, I'm with you. I think that the the bolts is is the fuel that makes him makes him roll.
2: Exactly, and you know he only has a few ways to spend his power. But the scalpel, I mean, that's what you want to do as as often as possible. But he starts with three power per turn. Chosen of the Vishanti gives him two additional power, so he's going to have three power per turn. So you just got to get him one more power. And who's a walking R and D that we talked about earlier? Right. The one and only faithful assistant, exactly. So Wong's there to throw him that extra power, and let me tell you the psychological effect it has on your opponent if Wong gave him that fourth power, because then your opponent's over there like, oh crap, strange can get wherever he wants to go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he can, my friend.
1: I do <laughs> yes, he can. I I do have a question regarding regarding Strange 2. Who's, who's Dave Roth, and why, why does he have so many deadly daggers?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is the lead singer of this little band you might have heard of uh, called Van Halen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he says just go ahead and jump, and by God, Strange jumps.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. You know, that. thank you for making that dad joke just soar straight into the stratosphere.
2: You're very welcome. You know, you might say that when strange activates, there's an eruption.
1: <laughs> well, uh, because of that display of comedy, I'm going to move to Panama. <laughs> oh, oh, oh slapping my knee!
2: Slack oh, I love knee. it. This guy. This see, this is it right here. This is the business. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh God, it's so good. I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to keep this going because I could continually. You know, I can't drive 55 all night. Oh, wait. Oh, God. I mean, no.
1: hey, hey, maybe we should move on right now.
2: <laughs> Probably. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, folks listening, yes, this is – yeah, this is good right here. This I is, love it. This is
0: high-quality audio. This is exactly what, what the folks are this, tuned into. This
1: is actually, actually the – this isn't actually the worst joke we've told on the show either. No, no, no. By
2: far not. <laughs> nice. So, so, anyways, Dr. Strange here uh, and his Dave Roth daggers. He also still has the original Eye of Agamotto like the OG Strange has. Reroll all, including skulls. It turns him into a consistent nightmare for the opponent, Right. And and that's the thing that I found with him is like, you know, I've I can't tell you how many times I've had a poor opening roll to just turn around and, and salvage it to get that one power I needed to be able to scalpel again. And oh, yeah. and it's wonderful.
1: Why would you play a recalibration matrix when you can just have it for free?
2: Oh absolutely. Absolutely. And and let me tell you, it saves him on defense too. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. I've done,
1: I've done that many a time playing him, playing strange 1 on the defender's half and going, "Oops, dice betrayed. Dice have betrayed me. Try
2: again." I love it. Yeah. It's it, it's so great cuz I'm like, "Oh yeah, these are magical. Look, this magical thing is about to happen here." Yes. There you go. Two blocks. He's alive. <laughs> but but we're talking about keeping him alive here. And the most interesting thing is his Mystic Armor of Strange, which I affectionately refer to as Reverse Pierce. So it's Pierce for the defender. And I've played games, I don't know about you guys, with this Strange where I might have a shield and be blocking one damage out of, let's say, three incoming. I'm fishing for that wild a lot of the time because not only does it cancel out one of my attacker's attack dice, which you get to choose which one, it also gives you a power when you do that, which is so nasty. Do you guys fish for it ever?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, –
2: I'm not really
1: really a fisherman. Wow. Oh, you don't carry a pole
2: with you? Uh,
1: (laughs) I I, I do. I do, actually, but it's not – It's
2: not the kind you tie a lure to?
1: Well – (laughs) <laughs> Depends who <what> you ask. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: to answer the question, What were you saying, Jason? To, to answer the question, Will. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that fishing for it is often the right call, honestly. Um, the, um, you, n- not only, like you said, you block a, a die, but you also change one. So it's effectively two blocks and you gain a power, right? Uh, exactly. way way too good um way more worth to try and fish for those those wilds than than even a, a regular block so
2: exactly and and you're you're able to go after it a little aggressively because of the eye of Agamoto, and then some of the other tools that complication has like the ironbound books yep. it just it's good times
1: stacks on stacks on stacks
2: that yeah. is right
1: and it's really quite a unique effect i can't think of any other character in the game that can do something remotely similar to this?
2: Oh, I can. <laughs> I've got one. And, oh, and you might she... say that they are also magical.
1: Uh-oh. She is. She is very magical. I'm, I'm going to claim that was a segue.
2: Uh, we can claim that that's a segue into one of my favorite sculpts in the game and a character that is... Very good, very dangerous when she gets rolling, and that is magic with a K. I love magic. And we'll start at the bottom. She has Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo, which is exactly the same as Doctor Strange's mystic armor, except it's only for mystic attacks, whereas Doctor Strange's mystic armor is for energy or mystic. But magic's a really interesting character. Because she is a three threat with a four mystic defense, so on your Ironbound Book's turn, she gets a big defensive buff from that and the Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo, which I really like. But she's one of the few affiliated characters that has a three physical defense. Mm-hmm. A very popular crisis right now is the mutant madman crisis. It's B-shaped, so the four-corner yeah. shape. And it's physical defense to interact with it. You roll roll your physical defense. Mm -hmm. And so her having that three physical defense really comes in handy, I feel like.
0: I I agree. I agree. Especially in Convocation Uh, where where, (laughs) we're a whole slew of
2: twos. Exactly. So I really love that. And then her Dark Child attack, which I – Funnily enough, I call it Dark Clyde because I seriously thought that's what it was for a long time. <laughs> it, it, I mean, you could call it Dark Clyde, but I'm pretty sure it's Dark Child, but it's Dark Clyde.
0: One, one of my favorites, so I'm, I'm going to tell myself a little bit, um, but one of my things that I've done to Will since the beginning of the podcast um, is every time that we do a giveaway and I send a password, I also send a GIF with said password in response. <laughs> and... The, my favorite one to search out was the the dark Clyde password, um, because I had to find um, Satan from Tenacious D.
1: Uh huh. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. It was it, it was nice. That that's exactly if there was a dark Clyde, um, that would be exactly how I would I would envision him.
2: But, uh, oh, it's definitely Dave Grohl as Satan. Which if you yes. didn't know, that's Dave Grohl.
0: Yes, 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 yes. It, yes, it is Dave Grohl.
2: So great. So the dark Clyde attack is range three, six dice for four power. And you're like, ah, that doesn't seem too great. It's only six dice for four power, what the heck? But it counts skull results in not only Magic's attack, but also the Defender's attack. It, let me tell you right now, when you see this attack pop off, it pops off. Oh, yes. And and it, it is, and, it is, it is a, a Titan killer, and I mean that in the Thanos variety
1: can confirm
2: <laughs> yeah
0: brian but... brian loves to roll skulls
1: uh... oh yeah my the dice god betray me every time and you drop magic on the table and and you know kind of like conan barbarian you shake your fist at the sky and and damn the gods <laughs> uh
2: uh-huh. Yes. No. I. Yep. Definitely. Every time. See, I'm. I'm sitting here picturing more of a Shatner con situation, but you know, but instead it's Clyde. <laughs> yeah. Dark Clyde. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, magic's just. I'm spending a lot of time talking about the Dark Clyde over here, which it. it I'm, I mean, it's. It, we're just gonna. It's we're going with it at this point, but it. It's a really great attack, and what it does is it it gets your opponent thinking about it, which is a part of this game that I find to be very interesting because we talk about magic as this like you know pop off machine, right? Like that's the, that's the conversation around this character, but in general she's she's just good in general, and she has a lot of mobility tricks with her limbo step, being able to place up to range three if she has the power. Mm, sweet goodness right but your opponent having to think about the dark clyde is really great and then it's like okay well i'm not even going to do that i'm just going to limbo step over here and double soul sword you that that's just as good
1: right one of the one of the interesting things that i've noticed about this game is how well the the way that the the pieces on the board translate to their personalities from the source material. Oh yeah. And you know, Magic it, she's a she's kind of a freewheeling and dealing kind of lady popping through portals, doing stuff, being tricksy. But when when the dookie hits the fan, the the hammer's coming down. And and that's sort of that's sort of wonderfully playful and also pissy personality coming across so well in the design of the game piece is... I think it's really a testament to to the design team on AMG. Not to, not to you know, circle jerk them too much.
2: I, I, I'm not making the joke I'm thinking about right now. That's okay. <laughs> but no, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think Magic... Really encapsulates the character a lot, and again, like on, on my journey towards more competitive play styles, she, she really – again, it's, a, it's another question that your opponent has to answer because do I want magic to be up there doing the damage? Yes, but she's hyper-mobile. Her limbo step has no requirement about objectives, so if she's holding an objective token and I've got some power on her, even one power – to place her range one and then move away can be critical at times. And and thinking about the game in those terms, like, yes, Magic can be a murderess. She can also be an incredible objective player. And it's one of the reasons why I love her. And I think, it, again, it speaks to the design of the character in a lot of ways. So, yeah,
1: I, yeah. Would you. What, sorry, Jason, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I I was just going to say, Magic is my favorite comic book character, um, and I was very excited when she came out because of the versatility that she has. Um, She's definitely a decent um, beat stick character, right? But like you said, her her objective play is is, um, sometimes off the charts, and it's her versatility that makes her so good, especially in that three threat slot.
2: Exactly. Exactly. All right, Brian. What were you going to say, Brian?
1: Oh. I was gonna make a dumb joke. Uh, imagine, <laughs> imagine that. Uh, 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 you know, you said you said you're going through a competitive journey right now. Would you say that's a journey through limbo?
2: I would say that's he a said, journey through limbo. So he Hi-oh. said it. He said it. He said the name of the thing. Yes. So I, I really I feel like I can't talk about magic without talking about that card because so far. I haven't put her on the table without that card. Uh And I think she has play without it. I think you don't have to have Journey Through Limbo. But Journey Through Limbo, it is Magic can spend three power, and if she's within range two of someone, she can place that character within range three of where they were previously, and then they gain the incinerate position. It can be an offensive place, a defensive place, allies, enemies, doesn't matter. But... The thing is it provides, again, a level of control for you. And if you're playing on an objective where it's just a stand there and score objective, so let's say something like infinity formula or whatever where you don't have to spend power, right? So she can move turn one, do her range four single dice builder or single power builder. Not single dice. That would be terrible. (laughs) Uh, So four dice builder. You're not really trying to do any damage with it per se, you just want that one power, so then at the start of the next turn, she can have three power and be able to move range two and place someone somewhere, right? And let's say that it's a character your opponent's already activated. Well, great. Now they're getting placed into the rest of my team, and they're dead. you know. Or like I did in the last game that I played, it is an, a defensive place where, okay, oh, Brother Voodoo's over there. Well, now I know he can't be incinerated. But you know what? He can certainly go take a walk, range three away, and oh, yeah. and keep me safe and secure that's, my win here.
1: That's probably my favorite jank play in Midnight Suns is to is to have is to have Jericho Drum take a sweet little jaunt through Hell, pop out and just murderize somebody.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, and that's another thing is like you just said. It can be used offensively, so I can do that with magic to my own voodoo, and he's not getting incinerated, and now he's ranged three up the board for only three power as opposed to Strange's four. Hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir.
0: It just adds to her versatility.
2: It does, exactly. And that's what she's all about is do do I need to ramp that damage? Okay, I can do that. Do I need to play objective? Do I need to play position? Okay, I can do that. And I love it. And if my opponent focuses her down, like I can live with that. Like I don't want her to go away, but I can live with that. You know? That, that, that's so that's nine characters, right?
0: Yep, we, we yeah. just have one yep. more.
2: All right. So the last character here is one that I've been back and forth on a lot. This spot was originally to Enchantress, but it has now been traded out for Medusa. So... Medusa doesn't particularly synergize with the rest of the teams in the way like Enchantress does, right? Like Enchantress has some some superpower control. She has an objective steal. She has the the good Mystic Defense. So on Ironbound Books, it's really good. So Medusa doesn't have any of that. However, she still is very good. Her flurry not hitting as often, it's still crits and wilds on five dice. So you're looking like of the time, I think, or 30% of the time you're going to hit that, which, fine. I don't really care about the flurry so much. I care about the wild push on her range 3 attack. And if you notice here, in a lot of this conversation, everything is range 3 or further, except for, like, Hulk. Mm -hmm. All the attacks that I have, again, magic is also one, with her soul sword, it's range 2, but, like, everybody's attacks that I'm, going to be generally attacking with are range three or farther and a lot of them have abilities that can reposition people so medusa being able to use her braid bash push someone away or push them towards my team if they've already activated to enhance the damage as it were i'm all about it and then and then the flurry just ends up being gravy you know what i mean oh yeah Mm-hmm. So she's here for her damage and control potential, but also the next two superpowers, the first two superpowers she has, hair flip, which is throw an enemy character size three or less and within range three, like Clea within range three, and throw it short. So again, she can play from a position of relative safety and reposition my opponent. I love that. I love that so much, and it's a size three throw. So characters that most people consider safe, like lizard, are not yeah. safe. I just I love that so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's awesome. It's a situation too where you you can double braid bash, get two pushes, and then also throw short away. So the the the, po- the reposition possibilities are endless.
2: Exactly, and. In an objective-based game, you know, a, a lot of times we get so stuck on doing damage and, and just, like, seeing red. See what I did there? Mm, <laughs> you know, we get we get really focused on that, and, and I'm guilty of it, too. Like, when I smell blood, I'm out for it a lot of the times. However, you – you again, on this this competitive level up I've been trying to do here, you, you've got to also think about what's the – Best win condition you are going to have. Like, am I going to be able to finish that character in two braid bash attacks? Probably not. It, like, the dice could spike and it could happen, but probably not. So, would I rather take the control elements, like get my couple of power throw and then move Medusa to a safer position, or just try to roll the dice? And and that's the question you got to ask yourself for the game situation. But. Medusa also comes with this really nice bit of tech called Royal Decree, and it only costs her two power to do it. Choose another allied character within range two of this character. Place this character within range one of the chosen character. Or place the chosen character within range one of Medusa. A character can be placed by the superpower only once per turn. So why is that important? It's important because there is a lot of control in the game right now. And Royal Decree allows you to kind of mitigate some of the counter control that I'm trying to put out there into the world. And it also allows me to play more aggressive with Strange, which I really, really like. More aggressive with a character like Magic as well because I can pair Magic and Medusa together on a side of the board and let the two of them kind of do their thing while maybe Strange and Voodoo do their thing on the other side. And I feel like that that's, that's questions that my opponent won't really have answers for. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. It adds, uh, so, yeah, yeah, the the just the the reposition shenanigans for yourself and your opponent. She just adds layers on layers.
2: Exactly, and then into the mirror matchup, she's great because of the living strands, strange can't re-roll his dice when he attacks her.
0: <laughs> right.
2: You know, so so that's always wonderful. So yeah, I I like Medusa. I think that she she plays the game that I want to play of. Damage with a side of control. Like that's that, Like I'm, I've been talking a lot about control and hard control. I still want to play from a position of putting my opponent into a bad choice, right? Like, oh, I put four out of six damage into this character, and you have priority. But I've also got four out of six damage into this other character that's pretty important, and you have priority. So which one are you going to choose? You know what I mean? Like So I like playing that, like, let me get some damage on there to to kind of make my opponent have to maybe make bad decisions and and see where it goes, you know what i mean? But yeah. also having that element of control. Yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the characters.
0: Yeah. That that uh that gets us through all 10 characters. So let's uh let's move on to our tactics card choices. We've already talked about Journey Through Limbo, um but let's yep. uh let's go ahead and add another one. What what other tactics card would you like to talk about?
2: So I think we have to start with the leadership here just simply because it's such a versatile leadership. It has two sides, and personally I always start the game on the Circle of the Cosmos side. So once per turn, when an enemy character damages me, so whether that be a throw or an attack, I get to place within range one. And it's really important to remember that it's only once per turn, so like if Magneto moves up or Asteroid M's up, and attacks me at range two, right? I can place range one right there, or I can maybe try to wait until I get attacked again if I survive, you know, a lot of different questions to answer there. But like, do I want to place outside of his throw range? Do I want to try to, you know, he's going to push me short if I'm at that range three. So then do I want to place outside of his range two? Lots of questions there, but it allows you a lot of flexibility, especially again, in an objective-based game, my opponent comes in, pushes me off a point with an attack. Well, now I'm all of a sudden closer. Or they move up. My character hasn't activated yet, and they attack me. Oh, they do one damage. Well, now I'm closer to them, and I'm going to get a double tap, whereas before I might not have been able to. So I really like that. And then on the other side, when I really try to turn on that aggressiveness or when I feel like I absolutely need to be saved – I've got the Moons of Munapur, which is a really weird name, but when I make Mystic attacks, which most of the attacks I'm going to be doing are going to be Mystic, I get to reroll one die against a character that hasn't activated yet. So it really kind of tries to take that damage ramp up there. And then also, if I am defending with a character that has not activated, I can reroll a die, which I really love. So simple thing but the the leadership is a tactics card slot one of the 10 and who you put it on you can put it on any convocation affiliated character which is really nice as well but uh it's it's really great leadership and a really versatile leadership that i like a lot
0: yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of it myself um the uh yeah especially the the moons of M- moon of that side that tends exactly. to be where you spend yeah. most of the game
2: Oh yeah, so you 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 like the re rolls?
0: Yeah, I, I love the re rolls. So
2: nice, yeah. I, I like the re rolls a lot too, but I've been kind of cagey about switching to them too soon or or at the wrong time. Uh huh. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, the other side definitely has play too. Um, but it's uh, I don't know. I'm a sucker for the re rolls, and and I more get it. more I it. more for the defensive re rolls than the offensive re rolls, honestly. So.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So. The next card that is pretty pivotal to convocation is brace for impact.
0: Yes, yep. yes, it is.
2: I mean, two physical defense. You're gonna you're gonna go down to a lamppost. You know what I mean?
0: Quite literally.
2: Yeah. So brace for impact. Enough said. Next up, I have indomitable here, and it's one that I've kind of been i toying with the idea of taking out, but at the same time really strong into web warriors being able to avoid their pushes and stuff like that and really good into if i see an opponent's hulk across the board keeping someone from being thrown into somebody else is crucial
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. so
2: so yeah Indomitable's here but i think it's i think it's one of those cards that's like when when it first hit everybody's like this card's the best card now it's going to be restricted next and i don't quite think that that's necessarily the case you know what I mean
0: yeah, yeah I'm not sure it definitely like it, it's very good uh, it makes a lot of tens for me but it doesn't make a lot of fives so exactly um I I yeah. lean in that way too where I don't think that it's as bonkers as initially thought
1: yeah, yeah I think I think you're more likely to see no matter the cost on the restricted list than you are indomitable
2: mm. yeah man yeah that card just, hey, get some free awesome attacks. Yeah, good start. <laughs> it's great. So, uh, next up, I have Sacrifice because apparently that's what you play in the Black Order and Brotherhood. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's accurate.
2: <laughs> you know, look, I, I would much rather Corvus attack my Wong for a turn for one attack or or Magneto attack my Wong for one attack than have Strange or even Mordo go down. Like, Mordo is one of those characters where as long as he's not my leader, I'm not really worried if he goes down, but I'd like to make him my leader like I said. So having Wong be there to, to step in, step in the line of fire is just crucial.
0: Sacrificial Wong.
2: That's it. That's it. So next up I have the Ironbound Books of Shuma Gorath, and I pretty much will never not take this. Absolutely. It,
0: I agree wholeheartedly.
2: I mean, it's always in a convocation character has to spend two power during the power phase. I have, and I, weirdly, I play this every game. I've been playing it wrong. I've been spending three power during the power phase every time. I
1: mean, even a three power, it's incredible value.
2: Exactly. So, the fun thing about this, and this has a lot of really interesting interactions that you have to kind of play it over time to figure out, but. When you're targeted by a physical attack, you can change the attack type to mystic. So for characters like Moon Knight, who, again, is not in my list, but Moon Knight has a superpower where when he's targeted by a mystic attack, he gets to add dice, right? Yep. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Blade, if you put Blade in Convocation, he gets to now have access to his reroll thing. Well, I mean, I guess he already did when it was physical, but still, it's even cooler because it's mystic. You know what I mean? It's, it's right. just cooler rerolls,
0: swag rerolls.
2: Yes, exactly. But uh, what really this your Ironbound books turn as a Convocation player is critical because Jason and Brian, y'all both played Convocation a good bit here. Is it pretty much always turn two for you guys, or oh, do you try to play with when you use it?
0: I I would say that it is. My my rule for it is turn two unless, so like yeah. if typically I'm I'm aiming to use it turn two but sometimes the rules of engagement say hey I I, I can hold off for a turn, um, so I, I I typically try to play it turn two, but every now and then it's it's okay to save it for turn three.
2: Yeah, what about you, Brian? Mm.
1: Jason is a lot more experienced with convocation than I am. I, I think I maybe I, I play a lot more Midnight Suns than I do Convocation, but oh, there's a okay. lot of there's a lot of overlap and I've messed around with both. I like to play Iron Books Chicken. Yes. Uh, and I think that is more because like Convocation is a is a very much a mind game affiliation, I think, more so than than others. In that you have so many cards where you can just go. Are you going to try and go in on me? Because, I mean, I I can deal with you. Are you going to make me deal with you? Like, I don't want to deal with you, but I can. Yes. And just, you know, you get to play all these mind games, and and it sort of becomes a game. Like, you know, most of the time it's the best thing to play books on turn two, but what if you trick someone into into waiting to force you to play it on turn four? that's pretty funny
2: yeah because they're definitely expecting to get those ko's by then and you're like nah now i will say in my upcoming matchup gets black order it's getting played turn two yeah oh yeah that, that just yeah that makes when sense. my characters ko'd on turn three i get it back exactly. <laughs> for turn four you know
1: so. you know it's just sort of a uh the way that this game exists, you sort of expect things to happen eventually. Like eventually somebody's gonna cosmic invigorate a modok. You're gonna get exactly. Corvist. Uh Dormammu's gonna smash and and make you ruin make make you rue the day that you ever expected to have fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just sort of yeah, it's just sort of eventually it's going to happen. You just have to. I mean, you don't even necessarily have to bring stuff to deal with it. You just have to be able to
2: mentally handle it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's the thing. It, it's going to happen, but Ironbound Books is here, and, and it really turns on Strange and Magic's defensive tech. So what I find happening a lot of times is Strange is like straight up in the thick of it, he activates early round two. Ironbound Books is up, and now my opponent's like, well, I don't want to attack Strange because he's just going to block it all and cancel all my successes and mm. get power for it. It's like, yeah, he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, like you said, it really creates a, a tough decision point for opponents, and I love that.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great card. Our, so, our good friend Darius and Brian's roommate um, loves Ironbound <laughs> Books. It, it's his favorite card in the game. So oh, nice. card,
1: he, he doesn't have any issues with how it's designed whatsoever. He's never said anything about it violating you know, the core design of the game. He's never, never gone on a two – that man would never have a two-hour soapbox rant about how he hates that card. That just <laughs> No, it wouldn't happen.
2: It would not happen. Good. Way to go, guy. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> so next up I've got Plain of Poldock. And that is dark rain but for complication – I'm sorry, dark rain but for mystic attacks. So mm-hmm. you can – any character, whether affiliated or not, that has a mystic attack against a specific character, a targeted character, can re-roll any. Clutch for taking out a Hulk. I'm probably going to be using it to try to take out a Thanos or a Corvus soon, uh, Friday. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. It's a great card. Rerolls. Who doesn't love re-roll any?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's nice. It's also nice to layer that. Rerolls on re-rolls with the leadership. So.
2: Exactly. That's when I try to do it, too, is when I'm going to flip the leadership. I'm like, okay, well, now we're going to play, play in the Poldock, and now you're hopefully going to have a bad day.
0: Yeah. I just yeah.
2: layer it. Yep. And what's funny is with that card, I tried not to play it to get a daze. I try to play it for a KO. But at the same time, I've been playing it more aggressively. Like, let me just get somebody on their injured side, and then we can figure it out the rest of the way. And I, like, I actually like that quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That it can be huge. Um, a timely, just a timely days is, is sometimes as important as the timely KO,
2: right? So Exactly. So next up, we have the Orb of Agamotto, and it is Rainbow Bridge, but for Convocation. So they can't be holding an objective token. They can spend three power and place within range three. So one cool thing I found about this card, who starts with three power for the convocation? That's Doctor Strange, the Supreme version. He can place range three right off the rip and be within range of, of a middle objective, depending on where you place him to start on your deployment line, be within range three to just start blasting. So anyways, I started blasting. And then he's got Scalpel Power, hopefully, after that. That's awesome. It's pretty fun. But it's specifically here for one of my crises, actually. Okay. And the last tactics card that I have to talk about here – I'm sorry. I've got two more, actually. Field Dressing, because I've got such low physical defense and such squishy characters. We need to get them back on the field, right? And and who's better to do that than Wong, who can also heal them? Perfect. Perfect. And like I said earlier, I've got a ton of power, generally speaking. So, like, there's there's not a case where I'm not going to have the power to do it most of the time, you know. Obviously, good control can keep that from happening, but that is what it is. Last tactics card, Eyes on the Prize. And you're probably wondering, the hell is that? Because most people not, don't play this.
1: I'm not wondering on it. I've been trying to push that card on people for a
2: while. Oh, yeah? Yeah, It's it's – Subtly really good. And it's a card that I feel like it's better in certain affiliations than others. Like I think X-Men would really like this card with like a first class being able to interact at range two. Like you spend your power on your character and then you can interact at range two without spending the power. That's pretty wonderful. For sure. and I just you know. Uh but anyways, it's here specifically because Strange starts with three power and then so he spends his one power if hammers is on the board you can start at that middle hammer the one right in front of you Place strange there you can interact with that right away double move over and interact with one of the corner ones which one well it's the one your opponent gives you because if your opponent doesn't go and get the other one right away, well, then you're going to go grab one of your other characters, right? So it's really strong, even if you don't have priority. like So if you have priority, it's even better because then it forces your opponent to have to go get the other one. If you don't have priority and they play it slow, well, you you have an opportunity to get both of them then that way. And then also, strange, it's really tight on the measurement, terrain-dependent, but strange on something like uh, the senators crisis Mm. can interact with two senators tokens at once or any middle objective he can interact with two of them in one turn so very strong i think yeah i like it it's spicy yeah definitely spicy so that's why that's here and as you'll see when we talk about these crises crises yes crises uh you'll see why it's here
0: all right, well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to your secures. So what we've been doing, Will, is we, instead of um, talking about each individual uh, uh, crisis card, we'll bring up all three, all three of the secures, and then talk about yeah. them as a group, because that usually makes a lot more sense. Absolutely. All right, so have at it. What are your three secures?
2: Okay, so first up, we have Demons Downtown... Portals overrun the city with spider people. I usually call it spider portals. And then we have sword establishes base on the moon's blue area or just sword base. There and we go. yeah, the reasons that they're all here is for very specific instances, right? So demons is just, I think, good for convocation in that I have two characters that are immune to incinerate, so those two characters can play objective-ish and then the rest of it is, okay, can I out-murder you a little bit? And sure, into Black Order or Brotherhood, probably not. But I also, based on the extract, I have a pretty good objective game. So if you're really focused on the, on the demons situation, well, then I, I feel like I have a good, good play there. So it's really for those web warriors type teams and stuff like that that I want to play a little slower with. And then... Spider Portals is literally here for Black Order and Brotherhood because spreading those guys out is the way to have success. Yep. Just period. And I think Black Order specifically hates the Spider Portals. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And then Sword Base is here because it's 14 threat. So if I lose priority – I have a 14 threat option, and I feel like my 14 is pretty decent with a strange voodoo, so that's 9. And then I can add in a 3 threat to take it to 12. So let's say I can. I have a lot of options for 3 threats as well. Like, you know, it can be Lizard, it can be Magic, it can be Mordo, it can be Clea for the control, which I really like Clea on sword base for her range 3 throw, her place of my own characters, and stuff like that. I really like that. Um, and then you know Wong or Toad can come in to to fill out the the squad at four there. And you think, well, most people like to go five wide on Sword versus four wide, but I think that my four is stronger than most fives.
0: I agree. So that's that.
2: why he's here. You know, and and Sword is one of those that it just just people aren't ready for it a lot of the times. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh,
1: no no. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, if you have Sword in your list. It's because you have a game plan for it. Uh, most people that don't have sword have no clue what to do into it because they don't bother to practice practice it. And I say that as a person who doesn't ever practice sword. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's a great crisis. And, and if you, as convocation, let's say I lose the sword base and, and I lose those three points for a turn and they push me away, well, I have the tools to get back where I need to be. Bavagamoto strange scalping clea placing stuff like that so it's I think it's a really good crisis for me so all in all each of these crises in the secures like like I want to pick secures most of the time but I don't hate my extracts either
0: well that seems like a good segue then will what are your it three, sure does. Uh, what are your three extracts?
2: So, like I said, eyes on the prize, hammers. It's a recipe for success against anything but Black Order, probably. Because you're not going to want to put Strange all the way up the board there for him to be kidnapped by Thanos and mutilated to death by Corvus. Just don't do it. It's not smart. (laughs) But against most other teams, Strange, especially with the the leadership on the Circle of the Cosmos side – Strange is relatively safe because most people, when they deploy, are not going to deploy all to one side or the other, especially on hammers. They're going to deploy in somewhat of a spread-out nature. So Strange might have to absorb an attack or two, but generally speaking, he's pretty safe. So And, and who doesn't love a hammer? Strange with two hammers, though, is nasty town. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So – Next up, we have Montessi Formula. Again, it's another slow-playing crisis. It's 17 threat, which most people have a plan for, but I really like my 17, so here we are, Montessi. It's just nice, slow slow extract. I like that. And who doesn't and like then, Wong with a book? So. Exactly! That's exactly it. Wong grabbing one of those books, and now he's actually part of the fight. It really messes with people.
0: Oh, for sure. Complete curveball. So...
2: Oh, it, yeah, and it's like, hang on, here comes Wong, and he's doing a six-dice beam into three of your people. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like that's living the dream right there. <laughs> I chase that's that strange. dragon every chance I get. So lastly, it's mutant extremists target the U.S. senators, and that point cost is 14. So hey, opponent, you have to choose – whether you want secures or extracts, I have a chance at fourteen on both of them. I like that. It's gutsy. Exactly, it's gutsy. And uh, you know, my plan with mutant extremist here. So strange again. Eyes on the prize. Can interact with two of them. And let's say he he fails right to find it, and we know where that third one is. Well, then it's chicken. We're playing chicken. And guess who has a Doctor Voodoo that can make you drop the senator.
1: Yeah, and I think also you have so many pl- ability you have so many ways to place stuff. Place your own characters that the the speed going to slow doesn't particularly matter.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And like I especially want it on Strange cuz like yeah okay, it makes him vulnerable. So he loses the defense die. So that's not good for me. However, pop the Ironbound book's turn to Keep it in circle the cosmos. Anytime I take a damage, I'm moving around, and then I'm able to kind of play my game, as it were. You know, like place myself, use use the scalpel to get out of danger, make the opponent chase me down. It, again, depending on the secure crisis, but like I'll, I'll take my chances with strange running away with the senator, and and kind of deadly daggering people for the rest of the game like okay I'll I'll roll my six dice that's fine <laughs> you know what I mean like I'm not doing the builder like I want but I'll roll six that's cool and and score two points so you know my my crises as a whole are here to just make my opponent have to ask questions you know what I mean mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's like a turn zero situation of what kind of what kind of bad are you willing to play because I think everything is good to neutral for me. I don't think I have a bad matchup here. So – and that's what you think about when you're building your crises is not putting in bad matchups. Absolutely. And my god, there's a lot of demons out there, and everybody's playing hammers. So what kind of curveballs can I throw at you? You know what I mean? That's it. So. All right.
0: Brian, would you like to start our uh, – that's a list. Would you like to start our feedback section, or would you like me to go first?
1: First, because, uh, yeah, why not? You know. um, I've got a couple of things. So, like, everything makes sense. Like, all of – the list all kind of meshes together really nicely. So I'm going to throw out so, some, some suggestions that are just uh, sort of uh, utterly insane. I love it. Um and the thing that I'm kind of focusing in on for characters is Medusa. Mm-hmm. I think she does a lot of cool stuff. But I think there is a a slightly more interesting character. Well, there's two slightly more interesting characters that could see play. The first one is original Daredevil.
2: Interesting.
1: Uh now, largely because Medusa's being used as your front, is your front line sort of annoyance, I think Daredevil is better at that.
2: Fair, um, yeah.
1: Baton Hook has range four. You can pull people in towards you. Yes, it's limited to size two, but that's fine. He's got a counter attack, which is hilarious. A long move that get a long move with wall crawler that gets you pretty much anywhere on the board that you need not even counting placements, counterattack, a uh, martial artist with no range limit, potentially on a turn where you don't have access to Ironbound books, I think Daredevil can be a huge MVP.
2: Oh yeah, and having played a lot of Daredevil in the past, I think core Dare, like original Daredevil, I don't want to say it's not core, I guess, but original mm. Daredevil is very good and his... His wild stun on the strike can really mess up people's plans. But I don't know about you guys. I've I've had the most amazing devil's deliverance turns. It's so much fun.
1: <laughs> yes. I love that. I've I've All experienced right. it. I've never actually <laughs> gotten to do it.
2: Oh yeah. Fifteen dice is the dream. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> um I've got another one. So this one's also a little off the wall insane. Ronan the Accuser.
2: Oh my god, I've been going back and forth on him so much.
1: I really think there is a – there's – I don't know if Ronan is better than Medusa because she has so much kit and stuff, but mm-hmm. Universal Weapon is so good in this list.
2: Oh yeah, range four with a with a wild push, yes please, and then that's, potentially that's shocking four. my opponent –
1: Like, it's so good. Um, And, like, his Builder hands out Stun and Stagger with Explosive on the wild, I think. And it's Energy, which is an attack type you don't really have access to. And his defenses are pretty solid across the board. His health pool is okay. He can hand out Judgment to people. Yeah. There's a lot. I think... Uh, number one, also, it's also, it's also going to be hilarious whenever every time you do something, the opponent's like, can I look at his card?
2: <laughs> exactly. I, yeah.
1: I think I personally, if I were to play this list, I would drop Medusa for Ronan in a heartbeat.
2: So Ronan's on my testing bench right now in for a lot of reasons. And one is because I do want a character that someone can kind of focus on while strange and, you know, everybody always goes right for strange and mm-hmm. as they should, right? I mean like he, he's, he's the, the glue that holds everything together more or less. But I want a character that's like, okay, if you don't go for strange, well, what, what, what happens? You know what I mean? And like Ronan being able to hand out the judgment is just so good. It's such a good condition. And then, also, like, okay, if you do go after Ronan, well, now I've got the accuser online. Mm-hmm. And so before I go down, I'm doing an attack into you. And potentially with, like we said, universal weapon, shocking you and pushing you, displacing you. So now you don't get a follow-up attack on anybody. Yeah, no, I'm with it. I, I'm here for it. Like, he's yeah. he's pretty spicy. And, and you're, the, you're playing field dressing. Yes, yes. Exactly, so if if I'm able to get a free attack out of him and then I can field-dress him, oh man, that's just, oh God, I don't even want to think about it. Uh, <laughs> but also, one of the things that I've found about this kind of squad in general is Strange, Voodoo, Mordo, all big bases, or medium-sized bases, right? So if I throw a Ronin in there, it's another medium-sized base, and don't underestimate just how much range you get from a medium to a short a small base it's like it's it's pretty significant
1: so oh yeah like a medium sized base with a medium move is very close to equivalent to a small like a small base with a long move i don't think yeah. it's quite the same but it's pretty close
2: it's basically the long tool without the bases on it mm-hmm. it's it's nice it's nice. So, yeah, no I'm I'm really with you and like I'm just more familiar with Medusa, which is why she's in this list right now.
1: Sure. Uh so next is a couple of card suggestions. So, the first one is I don't know where you slot this in, but this arm seems kind of spicy.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Disarm.
1: Um I mean, maybe it goes in the Indominal slot. Maybe... I'm not entirely sure. That's just something that kind of popped up. I think Disarm is a card that people expect from, you know, a Web Warrior. But when you're looking at this, like, I carry all of the control tools in my bag and can dump them out at will, Disarm's a very strong control tool.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, my other thing, this is the the insane one, is if you leave Medusa in the list, Teragenesis.
2: Oh my gosh! I I have to look this up. Hang on. <laughs>
1: yeah, me too. All
2: right, so it's up. Oh, nope, you can't have it. You can't have it because it's an Inhumans affiliated oh. car.
1: Okay. Yeah. Wow, okay. That's, never mind. Never mind.
2: So close. Never so mind. close to greatness.
1: It would have been really funny.
2: So, uh, I mean. To, to be fair, we do need to at least talk about it so people know what it is, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, because true.
1: We, everyone had
0: to say, what was that? And we all looked at
2: it. Exactly. <laughs> Hang on, what's this card? So for those of you that might be driving, Terra Genesis, <laughs> it's an Inhumans-affiliated card. It's active. Any Inhuman character may spend three power to play this card. Choose an enemy character holding a civilian token within range three of this character, roll four dice, deal one damage for each crit, wild, and hit rolled. If the enemy character is dazed or KO'd by this damage, you score two victory points. Yes, that would have been amazing. Unfortunately, I'm not playing in humans.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the problem is that Inhumans are so uh, stupid and pointless I didn't even pay attention <laughs> that that was necessary.
2: I mean, it's easy to overlook. It's not like it's in bold or anything right at the very first uh, thing you read on the card. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, whatever. <laughs>
1: If
2: only uh, Brad
0: tagged it too on on. Uh, uh,
1: imagine that. Uh, my my other suggestion, uh, this is the last one. This is, we're on crisis cards at this point. I like all of the blues. I think there is a, a potential change in the reds that could be better. Yeah. Um, you have so many pushes and pulls and places and ways to affect the opponent's positioning. Wakan well, and Herb seems kind of a no brainer to me.
2: Yeah, high consideration here because two reasons. I have a Hulk who can score the Herbs turn two pretty comfortably. Uh, and then I have the ability to keep my Hulk in position with my pushes and places and stuff like that. So, high consideration on. This one, actually. But it was just more of a how do I execute my plan effectively Mm -hmm. against the teams that can play that game just a little better.
1: That's fair. I think there are enough things in the meta that can play with content herbs just a little bit better that it would would potentially backfire on you. Mm -hmm. Um, I was looking at it as a potential swap for hammers, because you have so many cards that need a decent amount of power, and if you're looking at like one or two hammers sitting, like if you do that, if you do that strange two play where he's holding two hammers, he's got to pay four power for Ironbound Books, which
2: kind of right. sucks. Oh, oh, yes, it does. Believe me, I've had to do that. It's no fun, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where, uh, from that play specifically, like so, if I took out hammers, which. Most people have hammers in their extract, so it's not that big of a deal. But a lot of people, if they win priority, are picking the secures anyways. So having access mm. to hammers, I really like it. But I would take out eyes on the prize, which would open up a tactics card slot for something like a disarm or a bane of Dambala. So. Yeah, yeah, I do like that idea. It's something to play with. I, I've I've mapped out my uh, my herbs plays a couple times, and I like them but it's just kind of like okay i can score mine but can i keep them from scoring theirs effectively and have enough stuff to counteract that you know what i mean
1: yeah i think i think if you're going to play herbs it has to be like right now because once nick fury oh, is God. in the game uh, then you don't really want to run that risk but right no. now i think i think it's worth thinking about
2: for sure i like it
1: uh yeah, that's all my suggestions, Jason. Go ahead. All rip right, this, well, rip this rip this list a new one.
0: I no no not at all. I I, I love <laughs> the um, I love the structure of it. There's a lot of common themes between this and the way that I play convocation. Um, but I am going to give one character to consider and one tactics card. Um, the character I'd like to bring up is actually Ultron.
2: Oh my God! Yes. Don't even. Oh man. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. So the um my big reason for it, he does have a throw, right? Um yep. so it, terrain yeah, throw. So exactly. It is it is a terrain throw. Um but then he also has his um all will be metal. And that in convocation, so for those that may be driving, um all will be metal <laughs> is a is a um passive superpower. It says when defending against mystic attacks, count each wild result in the defense roll as two successes. So, if you when the Ironbound Books turn, you can turn those physical attacks into mystic attacks and turn that up. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, that's the one character that I would consider. Like I said, not a uh, not necessarily. Um, I don't know who I would drop out, but it's a character that I would consider in the list. Then the. Secure Crisis, that I would consider, because I play it a lot in my uh, convocation, is Riot Spark. And the reason I say that is because um, you talk about field dressing, um, so you field dressing something, you wong it, and you heal, um, and all of a sudden you have your your own four health on that character, and that's a huge swing. Um,
2: Well, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And Extremis is here... Or or would have been here if I didn't feel like Spider Portals was was just better into Black Order. That's literally the only reason and the only reason why I feel like Spider Portals is better than Extremis is because of the if the opponent rolls a skull, you can play some within two. Yeah.
0: I get that. And and
2: it also allows me to play more aggressively instead of having to hold somebody back.
0: That makes total sense.
2: But I do really like extremists, and I do think that the healing is one of those underutilized things of that crisis. Absolutely. I've. Uh, but yeah, Ultron. Oh, so much. Yeah, so much so Ultron.
1: I want to take a moment to point out that we—I think we just did—I think maybe for the first time used the term "wonging" someone. <laughs> Which yes. if if that isn't standard. If that isn't a standard phrase that people are using, it needs to start now. Yeah, let's let's normalize wonging someone.
2: Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I'm I'm gonna bogart that. I just want y'all to know, but I'll give you oh, I'll give you all the credit in the world.
1: I'm I plan on wonging every single person in my entire collection as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, I fellas. Love it. Yeah.
0: Well, we have made it to the end of the the list building portion. We did our our feedback. Brian, I think you have another ad read for
1: us. Uh, Yes, of course. This week's comic recommendation segment has been brought to you by Nightmare's Insomnia Cupcakes. Don't want to get visited by a weirdo in a green leotard? Try Nightmare's Insomnia Cupcakes. And don't forget, Hallucinations start at 72 hours, and the Guinness World Record is 11 days. Back to you, Jason.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you, Brian. So... Um, yeah, now we're, we're on to our comic book recommendation. Um, Will sent us the list, and Brian and I both uh, kind of honed in on a Doctor Strange book and a Hulk book. We figured those would be the, the characters we wanted to highlight the most. Um, so uh, I chose my favorite run of Doctor Strange. It's the 2015 um, by Jason Aaron. Uh, artist ah. is Chris Batchelow. Um, Good mind. It, it Was that yours, too? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, um, as, as an overview, um, this is one where there are different nightmares attacking the city, right? And um, Strange has to get rid of them. Uh, it's also his magic is being drained. Um, so there's a lot of different um, pushes and pulls. Um, he has to figure out the source of his magic and things like that. It's a very interesting story. Um, Will, since I stole yours, would you like to talk about it a little bit?
2: Uh yeah, so the biggest thing is it's a really great Jason Aaron's run on Doctor Strange is a really great jumping on point for Doctor Strange as a character, right? Like if you're if you like Doctor Strange and how he plays in the game of Crisis Protocol, I would highly recommend that. And you can even start with the specific storyline within that called The Last Days of Magic. So Jason Aaron's run is pretty big. If you start with The Last Days of Magic, it's a really great spot for kind of what Doctor Strange has become in the current z- zeitgeist of yes, comicdom. Zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah, that's the right word. Yeah. So yeah, that that like it's it's great, and basically like all of magic is being drained throughout the multiverse, and Doctor Strange has to kind of fight this thing that is like immune to magic and they have to figure out all these different ways him and and all the other different sorcerers have to figure out all these different ways to overcome this and then once it's all said and done there's no magic left on earth so he's got to figure out a way to like re magic and it's 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 just really great it's it's an incredible run the art's incredible and and it really like i said it it's a really great jumping on point for for people it absolutely so, is. Yeah, I, I love it.
0: Yeah, that's that's two. We're, Will and I both agree. Uh, that means you have to go read this if you haven't already. So.
2: Exactly. Ten out of ten would recommend.
1: I can, ol- I can only assume when when you know magic disappears from the world. Now now Stephen Strange is doing card tricks on, at the gas station out <laughs> at the out by the highway and. You know, he has got two he's got two clay pots behind him and he goes doo 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 and hides them behind his back and you know. That's it. That's it.
2: That's definitely
0: it. it. That's the entire story. Way to spoil it, Brian. Good job. Yeah.
1: I also can only assume that that Jason likes this book because the writer is also named Jason. Right, right.
2: Makes sense. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, us Jasons have to stick together. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: Unless it's our other friend, Jason, and then you yeah. just dunk on him all the time without remorse. Right,
0: right. This is the one... We almost made it a full episode without mentioning him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Well, last episode, we made it without mentioning 40K. Uh, Did we? Which is,
0: I didn't even notice yeah, that. Yeah,
1: not a single 40K reference. Instead, wow. there were just multiple other obscure sci-fi things. Dang.
2: Dang. I mean, I like it's that. hard to talk about minis games without talking about 40K, right?
1: Yeah, uh, how about them
2: squats? Yeah. <laughs> Do squats, get swole. What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Okay, Brian, you got to give us your comic recommendation.
1: Um, this one is – it's not a controversial pick, uh, but this is a book that I have read the entirety of. I love it. Uh, it is The Immortal Hulk – Oh yes. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a controversial pick. Uh it's I'm I'm more mentioning this book. It doesn't like I am not a Hulk fan personally. I don't read tons and tons of Hulk books, but I went into Immortal Hulk with zero knowledge of the character or the lore or the oeuvre, I guess you could say, and enjoyed it immensely to the point that it actually also got me into Alpha and Gamma Flight. Nice, Uh, And of course, uh, written by Al Ewing, it got an Eisner Award. This book absolutely rules. Uh, Even as you get deeper and deeper into the run and things get more and more off the rails, it's still good. Uh, Also, especially if you enjoy the spookier side of Marvel without going into like the ghostwriter Mephisto hell stuff.
0: I was going to say um, it's, it's, it's pretty um, horror based, right? There's, there's a horror yes. aspect to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But there's, it's sort of like if you, if you took the old seventies TV show, but made it scary and spooky and okay. everything, everything about it is super cool. Uh, Bruce Banner uh, just is a hobo traveling from town to town uh, and at night, the Hulk breaks out of his mind and enacts revenge in a, in a very supernatural sort of way. And it is super cool. Uh, you don't... I went into it with zero, like I said, zero context of any other Hulk book. And I had no problem following the story at all. Uh, they do a very good job of getting you up to speed. Uh, even with, um, like, long-running background characters. What's his name? Rick? Rick... Rick Jones? Yep. Rick Flag? I don't Rick know. Rick Jones. It's Rick Jones. Rick Jones. Jones. Rick, isn't Rick Flag a – that's a, that's, that's a, that's a testy DC. Yeah, that's Suicide yeah. Squad, okay. my guy. Yeah, whatever. I like Suicide <laughs> Squad, but that's not relevant. Anyway, read this book ASAP. If you have not, it's amazing. Get – do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it.
2: Agree. The coolest panel in the whole thing is when he's like all in those jars, like all split into uh-huh. different pieces. Oh yes. So cool. Just just that's all I want to say. I don't want to spoil it. It's just it's super cool.
0: Yeah, that's it's it's very jarring. <laughs> Got him. See what okay. you did there. So that uh, <laughs> that's probably a great, terrible joke to wrap this up on. Um well, thanks so much for uh, joining us again. We really appreciate it. Um, w- I would like to give you one last chance to plug anything you'd like to plug before we wrap it up.
2: Oh, just uh, check out House Party Protocol Podcast if you're interested. You know, it's it's a good time. And other than that, uh, you can follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Darth Balls 5 And that's balls with a Z because we make these usernames when we're 13 and we just never delete them. So there you go. Uh, but uh, follow me over there on Twitch for uh, Crisis Protocol action, as it were.
0: All right. So um, we uh, we would like to um, one more time thank Will for joining us. Uh, super appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having free- me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you're welcome back anytime that you'd like to be on.
1: Um, Sweet. The, with the under uh, with the understanding to not bring Dr. Strange in a list. Again. I can't That's make the any only, promises. The only
2: stipulation can't make any promises. Brian,
1: Brian,
0: <laughs> Brian has now had his full glass of hater aid, so.
1: <laughs> I did finish it actually.
0: Now that you mentioned it, yep, there you go.
1: Do
2: for but, a refill, um,
0: yeah, yeah. Round two, but anyway, um, please, if you have any feedback on the episode, reach out to us on Twitter. You can find us at JTL cast, um, or you can reach out to us via email at jtlcast@gmail.com at gmail.com. Um, I think that's it. Uh, that's an episode fellas. Uh, I guess we'll see everybody next week.
1: See you nerds.